Marcia slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Watt looks up, taps it back to Donov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Watt sets up to Donov! Knights five, Blackhawks four! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lvsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. What has uh, developed into one of the more popular segments uh, on the VGK Insider Show, news and notes, it's one-timers uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour, uh, hour number two of the VGK Insider Show, uh, bringing you up to date with all the happenings uh, outside of the four teams that are participating in the conference finals uh, right now. Darren Millard, along with Ryan Wallace and Chris Chapman, uh, getting things uh, set up for the Eastern Conference Championship Series. Game number one will start in a matter of seconds. The East Final will be aired on ESPN and the West final is on TNT. Uh, they each network that uh, has split up the U.S. national TV rights uh, have uh, have their own series. So the Rangers in Tampa Bay on ESPN, the Rangers first conference final in 2015. And that was sort of the the glory years of that group with Henrik Lundqvist and, and company, some great players on those clubs. Uh, this is the sixth Eastern Conference final for, or the third round for the Tampa Bay Lightning in eight years. Very, very different feel around the Tampa Bay Lightning. You've got uh, the the champions going for a third straight Stanley Cup against a team that uh, that has overachieved. Uh, you could uh, argue a little bit. Yeah, absolutely overachieved. I don't think anyone had the Rangers in this spot, the the conference final this season. But it goes to show that, you know, you, you get in, you, you find yourself on a bit of a roll, you get some contributions on a nightly basis, and your goaltender, after being subpar in the first two to three games on the road in the playoffs, he settled into his regular season form. And when you've got a guy that's capable of winning a Vesna trophy, you've got a chance in any game or any series that you play. Uh, we'll talk about the goaltending. And then I want to get into who beyond the goalies is going to make things happen in this series. But you can't go anywhere mm-hmm. without talking about the projected Vesna trophy winner this year. Igor Shesterkin of the New York Rangers, and the unanimous vote for best goaltender in the world right now, Andre Vasilevsky. Do you think there's a goalie advantage in this series, or will it be a saw-off? I I don't know that there's going to be a massive advantage outside of you know exactly what Andre Vasilevsky is capable of in the playoffs. The proof of concept is there. This is as far as Igor Shesterkin's ever been. Is the moment going to get too big? Is he going to crumble under the pressure? That's unknown. He's been great through two rounds, but there have been uh, moments where he's looked human, and that, to me, gives a slight advantage 
to the Tampa Bay Lightning and Andre Vasilevsky because you know exactly what he can do in closing the door on a series. So for the New York Rangers, it's going to be important to not put yourself in a position where you have to win two games in a row against Tampa. But to me, it's slight advantage to the Tampa Bay Lightning in the goaltending department. Vasilevsky's proven at this level. He's done it longer for Shesterkin. Uh, you know, at the end of the series, maybe my mind's changed, but it's it's advantage Tampa right now. Don't you find it uh, fascinating and impressive that Andre Vasilevsky, in this era where you're getting multiple goalies, sometimes three deep, uh, certainly uh, during the regular season, and that's carried over to the Stanley Cup playoffs, where last night, game number one of the Western Conference, we had all four goaltenders suit up mm-hmm. and, and get game time. And Andre Vasilevsky, for the last two years, has played every second of goal for the Tampa Bay Lightning and continues to get that done right now. And not even the great Shesterkin can claim that. No, not yet. I mean, give it time. Maybe he can. But Andre Vasilevsky's on another complete level. And, and that's really the, the fact of the matter is that this is a guy that seems, as you've pointed out, Darren, multiple times, to get better as the 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 deeper and deeper he gets into the playoffs like his numbers get better his he he's more locked in and where you know you see goaltenders struggle with durability he seems to get stronger and stronger and stronger as the postseason wears on so um Andre Vasilevsky is the best big game goaltender in the game right now and I don't think that it's you know really that surprising that if you need to win one game for a championship, for a series, whatever the case. You're going Andre Vasilevsky all day long, and I don't think that there's a close second to him in that regard. How about the uh, the stats right now for goaltenders in the National Hockey League in the Stanley Cup playoffs? I'm going to throw out the, the, the save percentages uh, for the two guys that are going head-to-head tonight, and that's mm-hmm. Igor Shosturkin and Andre Vasilevsky. And we're talking... Uh, nine two eight for Shesterkin, which is mm-hmm. like just dominant. You don't give up anything. Yeah, and Vasilevsky is yeah. four points uh, better at nine three two. You've got mm-hmm. you've got uh, the guys like Vasilevsky is fourth in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and Igor Shesterkin is fifth in the Stanley Cup playoffs in overall save percentage. Mike Smith, mm-hmm. even with last night. Is is seventh, and then you you, you got to go uh, a little bit uh, around the horn to to look at uh, Pavel Francouz is eight eight nine, uh, Darcy Kemper uh, is is a little bit uh, better than that. But uh, there's there's a there's a difference between uh, what you're seeing in the East versus the West. Darcy Kemper is below nine hundred, and and he's mm-hmm. the starting goaltender for a very good Stanley Cup contender in the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, it's like it's two different leagues between the East and the West. Mm-hmm. It's The best comparison would be like National League versus American League back in the day. Yeah, it, it really it it is. And, you know, you, you've got two goalies that are very, very good. I, just style of play, I, I think, in the East. Uh, this is... Not so much with the Rangers, a team knowing how to win in the playoffs, but, I mean, Tampa. Like, this is a team that knows how to shut it down when they have to shut it down. And, you know, it helps when you've got Vasilevsky back there as your last line of defense. So, um, 
Yeah, you, it's it's really stark the contrast between the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, especially what you're going to get out of the final on both sides. I, I don't expect this to be anything like what we saw last night between Colorado and Edmonton. I don't think we're going to score um, four or five goals per game in this series. Like It's going to be a low-scoring series. It's going to be two teams that are going to try to take chunks out of you throughout the game, and they're going to rely on their goaltending to carry them through because that's how they've done it all year long. I wonder what the over-under is in the Eastern Conference Final. Like We had six and a half last night. Mm-hmm. And it's yep. been bumped up, according to the score, uh, to seven and a half for mm-hmm. game number two. What what do you think it is between Vasilevsky it, and Shesterkin? It's five and a half. Huh. You taking the under? If you if you were to expound on it a little bit and think about it purely for fun and nothing else would would you go under five and a half for this game this game is different than the rest because there's an unknown with this game the turnaround for the new york rangers this is their 15th game in 30 days and they've gone to Game 7 in each of the first two rounds, and they've gone through the exhaustion of chasing the first two rounds. They've faced multiple game deficits in both the first and the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And the turnaround from winning in Raleigh and bumping out the Carolina Hurricanes to coming back home and facing the two-time defending champions, it feels like this could be a letdown game. And maybe it's one that you're not intentionally uh, going to uh, not give it your all. But maybe things are just not And you got to hit the reset button. Things are not going to go great for you tonight. And then you've also on the Tampa Bay side, the, the rust factor. They, they haven't played since since late May. Like it's, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's been a while uh, since the, the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, were suited up uh, in, a, in a playoff game. They tried to replicate some of the playoff intensity, but uh, but they last played when they beat the uh, swept the the Florida Panthers uh, on May twenty third. So there's there's the the rust factor uh, and being rested factor and and not being sharp out of the gate. Uh, that's that's where five and a half tonight seems to be. I, I would go over on that. Now the rest of the series, I, I'm I'm under all all night long uh, with uh, with these these two teams and these two goaltenders and the experience of the Tampa Bay Lightning who don't want to or need to go out and score eight goals a night to get it done. I think Colorado, mm-hmm. part of them, they have to go out and score eight goals a night, or Edmonton has to go out and score six seven goals a night. Uh, it's not uh, a hard and fact rule, but certainly much more than the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I'd go over tonight on the five and a half because of uh, some of the uh, the mysteries around this series and the opener. Yeah, I I I just want to point this out because it was uh, it was just the graphic that was on ESPN. Um, they pointed out the the number of players on each roster that have a Stanley Cup. The Tampa Bay Lightning have 17 players that have won the Stanley Cup on their roster. The New York Rangers have just one, Barclay Goodrow, who won with, checks notes, 
Tampa. Uh, I just thought that that was a really funny juxtaposition of these two teams, Tampa and New York. But the, the thing that you bring up that I think is interesting is kind of this game being maybe an outlier or a one-off in, in that you've got the Rangers who are in this unique and new situation for the first time. At least their their most important players are. And you have momentum and you have the ability to go into this one without having to think too much about it. And I think that that maybe is where the Rangers get a little bit of a, a boost upwards in that they don't have time to think about, oh my goodness, this is the Eastern Conference Final. This is another step up in intensity. This is the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. You're playing on adrenaline, and maybe that works in their favor. With Tampa, I, I think that there's a, a rust factor that needs to be taken into account but when you've won two Stanley Cups in a row and you have swept series in those two runs, you know how to bounce back after not playing for eight days. You know how to get the job done. I would expect this to be workmanlike. And the fact that it's on the road, I think, helps Tampa in that situation. Go back to that stat that, that, that you just read off ESPN. Yep, yep. 17 players on the roster for the Tampa Bay Lightning have won a Stanley Cup. Just one player on the roster for the New York Rangers won a Stanley Cup, and it was Barkley Goodrow who won his Stanley Cup with Tampa. So do you believe in experience being a huge advantage? I do. Mm, yeah, it, it, at this stage of the playoffs, for sure. Like, knowing what it takes, knowing what you need to give um, – I have a hard time, and I know I bet against it yesterday, but like I have a hard time turning a blind eye to what the Tampa Bay Lightning have been able to do, and, and I think that their experience is going to come into play in a game like this where you are going to be a step behind from an intensity point of view. But they've been through this before. They've done it before. They know how to kind of weather those storms. So to me, I think experience is incredibly important in a in a game like this and throughout the remainder of the series. Then you got to balance that against fatigue at, at some point, mm -hmm. like in in th yeah. with this type of experience, because so many of the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, Stanley Cup champions uh, are fueled or completed by their championships with the Tampa Bay Lightning the last two years, uh, and that creates a a bit of a fatigue factor when you're going this deep. Uh, so there's there's some of that, but that's again because they they dispatched the Florida Panthers. They're they're the most rested team in the tournament still. What what a what a contradiction that is between boy they've been they've been uh, going deep in the playoffs the last three years now third straight trip to the to the mm -hmm. conference finals, but uh, nobody else has been as efficient as they have been. Well, I think it speaks to what you just you just asked about. That's their experience, right? Like you have an opportunity with an opponent on the ropes at three games to none, understanding what the road is. The Tampa Bay Lightning refused to lose game four. They should have lost game four. If not for Andre Vasilevsky, they would have lost game four. But the experience, the ability to dig deep, the ability to eliminate an opponent so you could get rest, that's all experience from Tampa. That's all understanding how much of a grind it is and that you've got to get your rest when you can. So if you can eliminate an opponent in four, don't make it go to five or six or seven, because that's where the cumulative fatigue starts to really get you. Uh, do, do you have a, 
a preference? Uh, <laughs> do you have Do you have uh, an idea of uh, of who you think is going to win this series? Yeah, I mean, I I have the New York Rangers winning the series. I, I do, and it it has really nothing to do with anything um, X's and O's. I look at the run Tampa's been on, the the understanding that this is an epic three seasons for a team in an era that we're, we're, we're likely never going to see replicated. And you have a young team in the Rangers, a team that probably you'd expect to not be there. That's when these types of runs seem to end, when it's the unexpected opponent, the team you don't see beating the juggernaut. So I... I, I like the Rangers in this one. I, I I don't really have a clear reason other than they probably shouldn't beat Tampa, so they will. The chaos factor. Yeah, 100%. That's what you said. Uh, that, that informs like 90% of my decisions. Uh, I hope they're not listening. Well, they're they're involved in the game right now. But I have, uh, I have friends and acquaintances uh, on both uh, sides, uh, both the organizations, uh, all over uh, the organizations. Mm-hmm. And I've wished them uh, best of luck and uh, and hope uh, they both win. So I'm playing both sides of the card with that. Uh, and, sure. I, and I hope they never find out about that. But uh, I, I don't think yeah. that there's a way that Tampa loses uh, this this series. It may not be four games, as, as we've talked uh, sure. about how dominant uh, uh, Tampa Bay has been. But I, I think the, the Tampa's biggest challenge will be probably in the first 40 minutes of this game, getting everything back. Sure. Uh, we talked about uh, the fourth period effect yesterday when you're playing in a back-to-back uh, game, and Darren Elliott's a great line. Uh, this is the this is the eighth game effect for the New York Rangers. They get to come home. The crowd's so happy that they're still going. Uh, the in, uh, infectious uh, environment of Madison Square Garden, which is one of the great places when it, when it's hopping, uh, I, I think it it will give the New York Rangers a legitimate boost tonight. Mm-hmm. An opportunity to win. If the Rangers don't win this game, uh, I I think it could be a, a quick series uh, and uh, a, a bit of a poof. Uh, boy, that ended quickly for the for the New York Rangers. I I hope it's a, a good series. I don't know whether this uh, set the East goes as long as uh, as the West, and uh, won't I have to eat my words if that happens? Uh, certainly, uh, if the if the Colorado Avalanche are able to dispatch the Edmonton Oilers, but uh, it, it'll be different hockey, though. Uh, you're you're going to see uh, very very different, uh, more low scoring uh, stuff than than you saw last night, and <laughs> that that's really going out in a limb, isn't it? Well, as as you've kind of given your your thoughts on the first 20 of 20 to 40 minutes of the series the New York Rangers were certainly listening to you because they scored a goal 1 minute 11 seconds in Chris Kreider his ninth of the playoffs it's one nothing Rangers and that is the fastest goal that Andre Vasilevsky has allowed allowed to start uh the the game in the playoffs this year yeah goal though it was a great goal oh, it was fantastic it was two on one goals nobody can stop play. a two on one yeah. in in the league anymore like well, what's un- happening? Unfortunately, well, the the defenseman that you want defending a two on one, Ryan McDonough, is the guy that that kind of made the play to allow the two on one to start by stepping up for a hit that he didn't connect on. So, um, I mean, it was a no look pass from Mika Zibanejad right on the tape of Chris Kreider. Like, I, I don't think that 
Um, you're you're looking to defend that just a minute and 11 seconds in. Probably not the start that uh, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning wanted, but certainly the one that the, the Rangers were looking for, a quick strike to start the game for the Rangers. When do we start talking about Patrick Maroon potentially winning four consecutive Stanley Cups? Like, uh, uh, that, I think that's... you start talking about it when he's in the final. Like that's crazy. It it is, but you can't you can't bring it up now. Like you 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 just can't, right? Like it it's not a front burner storyline until Tampa punches their ticket into the Stanley Cup final for the third year in a row. It's just it's so un, unexpected. One that somebody would mm-hmm. be in a position to win their fourth straight Stanley Cup, and then the other one it's Patrick Maroon. And I love the guy. Uh, had him on my podcast, uh, and and uh, he's fascinating. And he is a role player, and he is a guy yeah. that I think is going to be important in this series. He's a guy that Carolina, like Max Domi, got under, tried to get under the skin of the New York Rangers, and they said, "Hey, we got a guy. Yeah, we got a guy that can match that." Well, if either one of these teams wants to to go, well, Patrick Maroon is the Tampa Bay Lightning guy. That can step up. Now, he can play too, uh, as, as mm-hmm. much as yeah. anybody that 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 fills that role uh, in the National Hockey League. And being in a position to win your fourth straight Stanley Cup, and nobody's done it since the the Islanders in the early '80s won four straight Stanley Cups uh, individually, is 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 wild. Corey Perry on on the Tampa Bay Lightning. There's more experience uh, adding him, uh, even even allowing an early goal like. John Cooper's probably sitting there going, "Ah, all right, I'm fine. We'll be okay. Let's just uh, get through this, and and we'll be fine." The Rangers' power play, though, is is a worry. It's thirty two and a half percent in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. That and it scored, it scored like uh, twenty twenty percent of their goals in the playoffs. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. You you can't give them anything for free. Uh, you know, you're going and leaning into experience on the Tampa Bay side for kind of your, your X factors or difference makers within the series. To me, it's all about the kids for the New York Rangers. It's it's uh, Alexi Lafreniere, it's Capocacco, it's it's Philip Heedle. Like, that line in particular has been really good for the Rangers. Uh, Heedle is hitting another gear. Lafreniere seems to really enjoy games where the stakes are the highest. He really seems to have hit kind of his stride as a as an NHLer uh, in these playoffs. So I think if there's going to be an X-factor line in this series, it's going to be the kid line for the Rangers. How, how do you get Heedle out of that? How, has, have you figured that out? That the C is silent? Yeah, it's just, it's that's one where you look at it and you go, like last night's play by Makar. Mm-hmm. It's obvious. It's L- not Heedle. Listen, it, it is. I mean, like, is is Heedle less obvious than Kojinosh? Yeah. What about Shillington? That's a good one, too. Hmm. I forgot you were Silent there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brady Shea? Like, like, how do like, you, listen, get, how do you get Shea out of that? I like, Shilling- like, listen, I like Shillington. Are- yeah, Shillington is a good one. Yeah. Well, there, there's, there's proof of concept with silent K's, I guess, with with Brady Shea and and, and Oliver Shillington. But you no, know, like you, you can't, you can't complain about Heedle being Heedle when Yosef Kojanash exists. Like, 
it, it, it just that's the name that breaks all pronunciation rules in hockey. Anything could be anything when you have Kojinosh. Who's the player that doesn't have a vowel? Uh, Firk. Right. Yep. But that one that one is... Martin Firk. But it's pronounced the way you would look at it and say it. Uh, sure. Hedl. There, uh, there you go. Uh, we got uh, some news around first-round picks being in play, and that's coming up in News and Notes, a one-timer uh, segment uh, as we peruse uh, things happening in and around the world of hockey, not exactly on the front burner. Uh, I'm going to tell you why there could be more than one first-round pick traded leading up to the National Hockey League draft, uh, plus a couple of other things to, to mention to you, uh, including some stuff uh, regarding 10-year contracts in the news. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. Tracking things down uh, in the National Hockey League draft as we get closer and closer to the events uh, in Montreal. Uh, there was a story going around that Montreal and Philadelphia had both, separately, but had both said that they were not going to draft any Russian players. And that relates to the, uh, the invasion and the conflict uh, in the Ukraine. Uh, in Ukraine, uh, sorry, uh, Montreal and Philadelphia have both denied that. They haven't said that they are going to take uh, a Russian player or not, but said that they're, they are not uh, holding themselves to uh, a firm belief in a strategy uh, or uh, an organizational stance to not take any Russian players. Uh, the Blues have said that they are not in need of any tweaking Vladimir Tarasenko will be back. Now, that was of uh, major uh, news during the offseason going into last year, whether or not he was going to come back. Uh, and it's been sort of out there for the uh, last couple of years uh, since Tarasenko asked for a trade. Doug Armstrong never gave in. They've worked through it. And Doug Armstrong, the Blues general manager, says he's not concerned about Vlad at all when it comes to needing to be moved or uh, trying to find a place for him. So uh, that's, that's interesting in that there is some real patience there by both sides. Vlad asked for a trade, yeah. was willing to work a little bit, but did the agent did go public, and that was uh, mm -hmm. uh, of uh, serious uh, uh, insult to uh, the St. Louis Blues in the sense that they wanted to work through it quietly. And uh, it was disruptive to the trade process. The uh, the idea, though, that uh, that Doug Armstrong stayed patient, uh, he got uh, he got through it and gets to keep his uh, keep his star player. Yeah, I mean that's that's big for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Vlad Tarasenko is a big part of their DNA. He's a big part of uh, the team that won the Stanley Cup in, in 2019. And I, I think that what you're seeing out of um, you know, Doug Armstrong is an understanding of, of how to play certain aspects and how to um, not move on from an asset until 
you get fair value because I'm sure there were trades on the table that were there that, that could have done well by the Blues, but I, I don't think that it would have equaled the value that Vlad Tarasenko gave to them on the ice this year and will likely give to them over the next couple. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes are working through the uh, transition to the offseason right now after falling to the New York Rangers in Game 7 the other night. And a lot of uh, it, uh, when we get to this stage, it's uh, about the future. Uh, to some guys, it's uh, what do you want to do to get better early on in your career. Uh, for the other end of the spectrum, uh, it's about what do you want to do next? Do you want to keep playing? And uh, one of those players with the Carolina Hurricanes is Jordan Stahl. And he is eligible for a contract extension as of July 1st. But he said that he's going to write out his contract and then decide. Now, what's interesting about that is uh, Jordan Stahl, who was drafted uh, way back uh, when, uh, early, uh, what, uh, 2010? Uh, it's, it was uh, a long time ago that, uh, that he broke into the National Hockey League even almost as long since he signed a contract, guys. He will be finishing up, as he rides this thing through, finishing up a 10-year contract. You're not even allowed to sign those anymore. <laughs> uh, a 10-year, $60 million contract after he was uh, acquired uh, from, the, from the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a fascinating one. Um... I mean, good player, probably at some point under under market value uh, for what he brought to the table. But yeah, 10, uh, 10 years, sixty million dollars. Wow, six million dollar average annual value. Like that is a, a nice contract. Drafted in two thousand six, so yeah, it do, it does go uh, back uh, right around the the work stoppage. Uh, mentioned a couple of times that there could be some first round picks in play at the mm -hmm. National Hockey League draft in Montreal in early July. Well, one of the reasons why I say that is because Pierre Dorian and, uh, and uh, Fitzgerald, Tommy Fitzgerald, uh, the general managers of the Ottawa Senators and the New Jersey 14. Devils, keep saying that their picks, they'll listen to people about their picks. Uh, so yeah. that's one of the reasons why I think a first-round pick could be in play. Uh, the other one is, and I haven't confirmed this, but off the top of my head, I believe this is a record. I'm waiting for NHL stats uh, to get back to me on this. But there is eight teams that do not have a first-round pick at this year's draft. Uh, I've, I've hosted the draft coverage uh, on several occasions, and it's always fascinating to watch teams uh, come in that don't have a first-round pick, and you've got that long first night, uh, three hours uh, of coverage, and you're, you're obligated to be there. Uh, you have to be there. Uh, and everybody sits there, and what are they doing? Like, they, they basically, in, they've been told either they're going to try and trade up or they're not going to try and trade up. And the, you can tell the teams that aren't going to try and trade up because the guys all have their, uh, the people all have their phones out. Or they've, I watched, uh, I think it was Winnipeg one year, walk in, and they just threw a bag full of snacks onto the table. Like licorice and <laughs> chips and everything, and like uh, they were in it for uh, for a fun night of, of candy eating. But eight teams don't have a first round pick this year. That tells me that one of those, the odds are one of those clubs, is going to trade up to try and get their first round pick back. 
Two of them are, are teams that did not qualify the, the, for the playoffs, Vegas and Chicago. The rest are teams that added for a playoff push, being Boston, Calgary, Carolina, Florida, the New York Rangers, and Colorado. None of those teams have a first-round pick. Now, on the other side, how about this? Arizona and Buffalo have three first-round picks. Will they listen to somebody who wants to get back into the first night of the draft when you've got three? Three first-round picks can get you into trouble. My good buddy, Gord Stellick, mm-hmm. general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs one year, had three first-round picks. He took three players from the same junior team, Belleville. I wouldn't suggest doing that. All right? Yeah. <laughs> it didn't work out great. Uh, yeah. Boston a few years ago, had three first-round picks. And to take it a step further, they had three consecutive picks in the first round. That was the year Jake DeBrusque was yeah. drafted. It, it hasn't worked out great. For, Jake's been great, but everybody else has taken a while, mm-hmm. if not. not uh, there's Zaboral's mix, uh, and the other guy, it, I can't remember. It, it, it's, not, it's not about Jake DeBrusque not being good it's about the players picked ahead of those three picks for boston that have turned into studs matt barzell being the most obvious yeah but barzell was hurt that year i like that's very um uh big second guessing yeah that's that that's a tough one because barzell was coming off uh, on the injury uh, that year all montreal winnipeg Columbus and Anaheim mm-hmm. all have two first-round picks, so they have theirs and one extra. Uh, Winnipeg, uh, this this ties into what's happening tonight at the MSG between the the Bolts and the Rangers, because so Winnipeg traded Andrew Kopp to the Rangers at the deadline. Mm-hmm. If the Rangers yeah. got to the third round, the compensation for Kopp went from a second-round pick to a first-round pick. So. Guess who the yeah. Rangers were cheering for in that Game 7 the other night uh, against the Carolina Hurricanes as they get the uh, another uh, first-round pick. But I would look for Arizona or Buffalo to be the one team to to listen to uh, any one of those, to Vegas, Chicago, Boston, Calgary, Carolina, Florida, the Rangers, Colorado. Uh, now, Calgary's interesting. If, if they can't get a deal done with Johnny Gaudreau, would you trade his rights for a first-round pick and let somebody try and negotiate that deal? Like a conditional second-round pick with if you resign him, you get a first-round pick. That could be, uh, I yeah. think, a team oh, I, I, that could get, it, could get back into it via uh, trading a current player. Yeah, I, I would absolutely go down that road. Uh, if I were the Calgary Flames with Johnny Gaudreau, if it becomes apparent that that's not going to be uh, happening, you're not going to be able to re-sign him. I would absolutely trade his rights. And, you know, you, you mentioned Buffalo a couple of times. I think the natural inclination when you hear the Buffalo Sabres and you think of players on teams that don't have um, a first-round pick, you, you're going to immediately connect the dots with Patrick Kane, the Buffalo Sabres. Like, would Patrick Kane be enough? If he were willing to go for Buffalo to to trade the ninth overall pick, 
while Chicago doesn't have one, and the ninth overall pick, yeah, I, I think you got to add more for Patrick Kane. It's the ninth overall pick and then something. But if I'm Patrick Kane and i got to approve that deal, why? <laughs> Buffalo's my hometown, okay? I understand that. But why would I yeah. go from yeah. uh, a situation where I'm not really that competitive to another situation where I don't know how competitive I'm going to be? I don't know. I would argue the Sabres will be more competitive than Chicago next year. Marginally, are they going to be in the playoffs? No, then I'll, I mean, then I'll like, sit in my, my house and everybody that I know in, in in Chicago. I do not speak for Patrick Kane. You just Kane. go home. You can play I, in front of your hometown fans. Come on. Uh, I like Patrick win, Kane. Win, he, win. Was, he was on my radio show several times uh, on Hockey Central. Uh, Patrick from Chicago, we called him because we'd pretend that he would just phone in. Yeah. Uh, he, he was awesome. But I don't know whether I'm Patrick Kane that I that I go for for that situation. It's got to be a little bit more chance to win. Now, Nazem Kadri and Evander Kane are two interesting ones. Kadri and Kane in the Western Conference Final. Kadri's in the uh, just played out the, the final year of his $4.5 million AAV. He's 31 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's going to get a big race. But term for sure. a 31-year-old and a guy that, when he's not in an expiring contract, has been known to cross the line. That will be fascinating. And Evander Kane is making 1.3 on that uh, that deal that he signed with Edmonton after having his contract avoided by San Jose. That will be another one. How much term does Evander King get? And they, they grieve the, the termination of his contract in San Jose, uh, and they need another day to deal with that. So that isn't even done yet. So he he really doesn't. If he, he could sign with Edmonton, if he was going to get the $23 million that, uh, that the Sharks, he thinks the Sharks owe him, that could make a deal with Edmonton mm-hmm. a lot easier to to come to a, a hometown discount. If he doesn't get the twenty two or twenty three million dollars from San Jose, then he there's no hometown discount coming to Edmonton. This could be a short stop in uh, in hockey circles. I mean, there's a couple. I would argue that even if he does get the money from the San Jose Sharks, there's still no hometown discount. Like, Fair. You're talking about a guy that's got thirteen goals and thirteen playoff games. Like, I, I understand that. A lot of that is due to playing with Connor McDavid, but you're still the one putting the puck in the back of the net. So I would think there wouldn't be a hometown discount regardless of what happens with San Jose. However, I think it's in the best interest of Evander Kane to play alongside Connor McDavid. So I think it makes sense for the player. It makes sense for the team. The the fit has seemed to be there. I think you're looking at Evander Kane with the Edmonton Oilers, and I, I think that... that It'll get done. I, I do. I didn't uh, get to the Washington situation and what they're looking at uh, for next year, but it all revolves around goaltending. Uh, do that tomorrow. Uh, those are your one-timers brought to you by Paul Powell Law. More lawyer, less fee. Thank you very much for uh, bringing everybody one-timers. News and notes from around the National Hockey League. Catching up with Chapman is next on the VGK Insider Show in Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Goaltending has lived up to expectations in the Tampa Bay New York Ranger first period. Get to that in just a little bit. If, if we have time after we catch up with Chris. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but uh, yesterday in the French Open, uh, Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic, they played for the 59th time 
in their career. Uh, Jokovic leads the series 30 to 29. He leads in finals 15 to 13, but Nadal leads 11 to 7 in majors. But there was a little controversy about the match because apparently, unless you had Tennis Channel Plus, which is a paid subscription service, you could not watch the match. So people very, very upset about that. But I went back through the archives and looked at it. And from when the time Roger Federer won his first Grand Slam, which was 2003. Nadal, Djokovic, and Federer have combined to win 61 out of 73 Grand Slam titles. Only nine other men have won a title. Stan Wawrinka and Andy Murray, the only guys who've won multiple during that time frame. Nadal on track to win his 14th French Open. I don't know if we consider dynasties in sports where there's only one person playing at a time, but if there's ever been a dynasty... In tennis, it's Rafael Nadal at the French Open looking for number 14. That's absolutely unbelievable. He owns the clay. I think you can make the case he might be the best ever. Yo, I think that's obvious. No, well, I mean, Federer and Djokovic are, are in the conversation as well. But... Oh, no, like in tennis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. The, the, the clay, the clay uh, changes it for me. Federer uh, is, is the best. Yeah, the three of them are, are absolutely incredible. Andy Murray, and I'm sorry, Andy Roddick, the only American in that match who's won a Grand Slam, and that was way back in 2003, the last time an American man won a Grand Slam in tennis. When do you, when do you say controversy about the match? Well, because people... No, were, no, no, no. You can't start with controversy about the match and then say it was about how people were going to watch it. Well, I'm exp- I'm waiting for the big controversy between two <laughs> goats, and and then you say uh, the controversy was because of the tennis channel, well, which I didn't the, know existed. Yeah, well, people apparently didn't know that it was on the subscription service, and it was advertised that they were playing. I didn't tomorrow, either. But, My buddy Garrett was looking for the match mm-hmm. yesterday, and I told him it was on ESPN because that's where I'd watched the uh, the coverage the day before. Uh, but but that's not controversy. I'd say it's a little controversial putting the big no, maybe a, one of the it's biggest annoying. Well, yeah, it's no, annoying. No, 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 no. The only controversial take here is that Roger Federer is better than Rafael Nadal. Ooh, Jeff Tarango is controversy, <laughs> and a couple of people should have been gonna, kicked out of this tournament. One, huh? Uh, yeah. Should have been kicked out of this tournament for. No, that's the only. Whacking. That's the only controversy here. But not, not <laughs> can't not, believe no, you no. think Roger Federer is better than Rafael Nadal. Amazing, I do. I do. He's he's my guy. I love him. Amazing. Plus, he's one of the first guys to ever have like second a, best a logo, a personalized logo, which I always liked. That <laughs> so cool. that makes him correct. No, well, and and he's classy. He won with class. He lost okay. the odd time whenever he did yeah. lose with class. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, I'm in the Federer camp. I can tell that you are not, but that's okay. N- Rangers, Nadal, uh, Federer at Wimbledon. Yeah. Phenomenal. Uh, one, one Tampa Bay ever. and the, uh, the Rangers late in the first period, MSG Rangers better put this one away or it could be a quick one. Good night. Irene, turn out the lights and call me when you get home safely. Wow. Mm-hmm. A lot of cliches. A lot of cliches. Did your parents ever make you a call when you got home? And I always forgot. Yeah. Always forgot. And now I'm like, why did I forget? Oh, we'll talk to you tomorrow on the VG Game Saturday Show.